Folks, it's officially time to get that player preview series started today. We're talking all things Ben Gregg. Could he step into the starting role this year? What can we expect to see from him offensively and defensively? We're going to get into all that and more on today's Locked on Zags. You are Locked on Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. Today's episode of Locked On Zags is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J A S E medical.com. Folks, it is here. We are starting our player preview series, discussing every player on Gonzaga's roster, looking at their history, including how they ended up here in Spokane. We're also going to take a look at their best and worst case scenarios for this upcoming season, followed up by a realistic role prediction, some predictions on their performance this year, and a look toward the future. We're going to do these throughout the next couple of weeks as we get closer and closer to the start of the college basketball season. Today, we're starting with Ben Gregg. History for Ben Gregg. He's a six foot eight forward coming out of high school, four star from Clackamas High School in the Portland, Oregon area. He committed to Gonzaga on September 9th, 2020. For those of you who were following the recruiting at that time, the Zags were interested in Chad Holmgren, who they of course landed, as well as Paolo Bancaro from O'Day High School in Seattle. Bancaro goes to Duke. Gonzaga turns their attention to Ben Gregg. Ben pretty much immediately committed to Gonzaga after getting an offer from the program. He has family connections to Spokane, family connections to Gonzaga. Uh, if you follow his father on Twitter, you see that he posts pictures of baby Ben Gregg when he was a kid, a teenager going to Gonzaga games often at the Child Center in Portland. So very cool to see somebody who grew up rooting for this team get an opportunity to play in the program. And Ben not only got an opportunity to play for Gonzaga, he got an opportunity to play for them while he should have still been in high school. Uh, he was here during that COVID 2020-21 season. He graduated from Clackamas High School in the in this fall semester before the uh, second semester of the school year, because the basketball season had been canceled in the state of Oregon, the NCAA allowed him and a handful of other students throughout uh, the college basketball sphere to end up joining their college teams a semester early. So Ben basically got a half school year at Gonzaga on the roster without it really counting towards his eligibility. Pretty cool opportunity for him while most of the players in his graduating class were still in high school, still doing living that life. He was on a team that went to the national championship game. Really cool opportunity for Ben. He didn't play much in that 2020-21 season, 18 games, 3.1 minutes per game, uh, just under a point per game, rebound per game, uh, had one total assist, uh, seven for 17 from the field, two of eight, 25% from deep, uh, one of three from the free throw line. Again, those numbers pretty much don't matter at all because Ben was basically still a high school student when he got that opportunity to play for the team that season. He came in as a true freshman in the 21-22 season. Uh, again, he'd already had a little bit of experience under his belt, but he played kind of that traditional true freshman role that we see from a lot of players. It's part of the reason that I'm not as optimistic, I guess, about, about playing time for somebody like Dusty Stromer or Braden Huff, because most of the time, four-star players, uh, you know, with the exceptions being the five-star guys like Suggs and Holmgren and, and uh, others, they don't play much. Ben Gregg 
played 17 games in his freshman year in 21-22, averaged 6.3 minutes per game, 2.4 points, two boards. That's kind of what we see traditionally. Those are kind of similar to Dominic Harris's numbers, similar to a lot of other freshmen uh, that have ended up having solid careers uh, in Spokane. But we just don't see Julian Strother was a little bit more than that. I think he played about seven and a half minutes per game, but somewhat similar production levels from him. So for Ben, wasn't super efficient, but again, as a very small sample size, a lot of his minutes coming in garbage time, 37% from the field, four of 13, which is about 31% from deep, uh, just two of seven from the free throw line, best performance that year was against Alcorn State. He had eight points in that one. He also had six points going two of two from deep against Northern Arizona. But for the most part, Ben was kind of an afterthought and outside the rotation piece for Mark Few's team in what was effectively his freshman year. But then we get last season. And last season was the breakout. I think it might have been kind of the pre-breakout, and we'll talk about that more in the second and third segments as we think there might be more breakouts coming for Ben Gregg. I, we certainly have not seen the best of him uh, yet at this point in his college career. But last year was a big breakout for Ben Gregg as a key rotation piece coming off the bench. And it didn't start right away. In Ben's first four games with Gonzaga, that was the North Florida game, the Michigan State game, the Kentucky game, and the Portland State game, the start of that Phil Knight Invitational. Ben had six points and seven boards in 18 minutes across four games. So he basically didn't do much of anything at the very start of the season. But then the Purdue game happened. And while Gonzaga got waxed by Purdue, it's a game many people want to forget about. It's an important marker for Ben Gregg's career. He had nine points and two boards in that game. That's not going to blow you away. It doesn't, you know, come off the page in a significant way. Of course, nine points in one game when he had six in the previous four games is certainly notable. And he did this with hitting clutch shots. He did this with good defense against Zach Eady. Yeah, he fouled out in a pretty small amount of playing time, but that's kind of what Gonzaga needed from Ben Gregg in that game. Come in, play physical against Zach Eady, push him around as much as you can and hit some clutch shots. That's what he did. And the main thing that happened in that game was Ben Gregg passed Efton Reed on the death chart. From that point forward, Ben Gregg was the third big behind Drew Timmy, behind Anton Watson. Efton Reed was fourth. And we saw that play out in the playing time for the rest of the season as Efton Reed gradually was pushed out of the rotation, borderline not playing, a lot of DNPs, a lot of late game, you know, just a couple of minute situations probably is a significant factor in leading to him deciding to hit the transfer portal this offseason. After that game, Ben played 30 combined minutes against Xavier and Baylor, so 15 minutes per game on average, had eight points, eight boards, two steals, and two blocks in those two combined games. Then he had a big breakout game against Northern Illinois in 17 minutes against Northern Illinois. Northern Illinois, excuse me, Ben Gregg had 18 points and seven rebounds. That is elite levels of production. And if people weren't buying the Ben Gregg breakout after the Purdue game, they were buying it after this game. This is when he fully established himself as, hey, this is the four-star kid we were looking for. This is the kid that we wanted to see. And then WCC play happened and we saw it. It fully developed right in front of our eyes as Ben Gregg in 19 games during the WCC season, including the WCC tournament. He averaged 13 minutes per game. So it wasn't a huge jump, but 13 minutes per game is a is quality third big minutes for Gonzaga. He averaged 6.2 points, 3.2 rebounds, 0.8 assists, and 0.7 blocks per game during the WCC season. He was very, very efficient as well. 65.9% on two, basically two thirds 
of his two-point field goal attempts were in the cup. That's Drew Timmy levels of efficiency. It's Anton Watson levels of efficiency, right in line with those guys in terms of being productive around the rim for Gonzaga. He also shot 39% from three. And if we're talking Drew Timmy and Anton Watson, blows those guys out of the water. 39% from three, basically a 66% shooter on two is a 40% three-point shooter. That is remarkable. And, you, you know, you maybe expect those numbers to dip when he gets more playing time, but for him to do that in a 13-minute-per-game role is tremendous. Free throw shooting dipped a little bit. He was 68% during WCC play, but he was like 77% on the season, but not something I'm overly concerned about with him. He was in double figures in six of those 19 games. He dropped a career-high 18 points against San Diego. And while things quieted down for Ben a little bit as we got into the NCAA tournament, he still had some productive moments. In the four games in the tournament, he played about 11 minutes per game, two and a half points, just under three boards per game. But he did have six points and seven rebounds against UConn. He played 20 minutes in that game in part because of foul trouble for Drew Timmy, in part because uh, at the end of the game when the score was out of reach, he ended up getting some more playing time because of that. He also had three blocks against TCU. For people concerned about Gonzaga's physicality entering the Big 12, for him to rack up three blocks being Gonzaga's third big, pretty promising sign for him there. He also had two blocks against Grand Canyon in that opening round game as well. All that to say, the performance we saw from Ben in the WCC season, the performance we saw from him down the stretch, the efficiency we saw from him as a scorer, and the growth we saw from him physically just from a maturation perspective, all points to him having an even bigger role in the 2023-24 season. Drew Timmy departs, Graham E.K. steps in, but are they going to play the same amount of minutes? Probably not. Where do those minutes go? We expect them to go to Ben Gregg, and we're going to talk a lot more about that, as well as whether Ben could be an all-WCC caliber performer this upcoming season. We're going to discuss those best and worst case scenarios for Ben after a word from today's sponsor, Jace Medical. With storms, shortages, pandemics, and supply chain issues plaguing our country, we need to be prepared now more than ever. Everybody should feel empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. And that's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you the peace of mind so that you are not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Get $20 off on these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using my promo code Locked On at checkout at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Doctor created, doctor recommended. Jace Medical. All right, folks, I want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen or your first watch of the day. We are continuing our player preview series. Did want to note, as we talked about on Tuesday, the big Gonzaga to the Big 12 rumors. I know some of you saw Matt Norlander posted uh, a series of tweets that put a little bit of cold water on the situation. I'm just going to say this right now. We'll talk about it more uh, in a future episode, but this is how it's going to go. There's going to be sources, Brett Yormark and his crew, who are saying this is happening. We're into it. We're ready for it. Let's get it going. Let's get it done. Let's get Gonzaga in this conference in the next two weeks. There are also going to be sources from schools like Cough Cough West Virginia, Cough Cough BYU, who are going to say, absolutely not. We're not interested in this. This is how this works. It's going to be a back and forth. Some reporters are going to be in Yormark's camp, and they're going to be getting fed sources from him that say, hey, we're trying to get this going. Some sources are going to say, we don't want this to happen. People who are vocally opposed to something are going to be more vocal. Just because there's a few athletic directors, presidents, whatever out there who are saying, hey, this isn't, we don't want this, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't mean they all feel that way. 
You only need 75% of the votes. Just a reminder there. We'll talk more about this on a future episode. But right now, we are going to continue our player preview series, talking all things Ben Gregg. And in the second segment of these player preview series, we do a best case, worst case scenario. And I want to lay out the caveat here. I'll have this for each episode. Best cases within reason, worst cases without injury. If it is feasible for a player's best case scenario to be them winning the national player of the year, we will talk about that. If it is not, we will not list that as the best case scenario. Similarly, every player's worst case scenario is they get hurt and miss the year. That's that's not good analysis. That's not a particularly fun conversation. If injuries are a part of a player's history, we won't pretend they're not. Certainly, we will talk about injuries when we talk about, say, Graham E.K., but for the most part, we're going to ignore injuries. We're going to talk about what's happening on the basketball floor. And the best case scenario for Ben Gregg this season is that the physical gains we saw him make last year in the offseason continue into his junior year. Last year, he got stronger. He got faster. He got more agile. In a best case scenario, that is the case again this year. He continues to fill out. He continues to use his strength, use his size, use his agility to be an even better performer, both offensively and defensively. Best case scenario is that no Drew Timmy gives Ben Gregg not only more minutes, but more opportunities to score. Last year's team was built around getting Drew Timmy the basketball. Ben Gregg was not one of the best passers on last year's team. This year, ideally, he develops more of a well-rounded offensive game. He is asked to do more scoring, whether it's outside shooting or around the block, ideally both. He's also potentially asked to do more passing and more playmaking in a post-Drew Timmy era. The efficiency from Ben Gregg that we saw around the rim last year, particularly in the WCC play, continues. He was a 66% shooter on twos in conference play, but about 61% on the season. Best case scenario is that 66% is all year long. Maybe it's 68% in the WCC. Continued improvement as an efficient scorer around the rim. And same with the three-pointers. 37.7% on the year last year, about 39% during WCC play. Let's shoot 39% all year. Heck, let's shoot 42%. In a best-case scenario, Ben Gregg can be a 40-plus percent three-point shooter consistently for Gonzaga. Killian Tilly did it. Ben Gregg is more than capable of being a consistent knockdown three-point shooter. And a Ben Gregg that is shooting 66% on twos and 40% from three in a bigger role, that is a weapon. I mean, a really serious weapon for Gonzaga to have at their deploy. Beyond that, for Ben Gregg, he was 1.2 free throw attempts per game last year. In a best case scenario, that doubles. Ben Gregg's ability to score around the rim, Ben Gregg's ability to pump fake from three, put the ball on the deck and get to the basket, draws contact. Maybe he learned some Drew Timmy pump fakes. Maybe he worked on his footwork a little bit and, and learned stuff again from Drew Timmy. He can draw contact. He can get to the free throw line because he was a 77% three point, free, excuse me, free throw shooter last year. And in a best case scenario, he shoots two and a half, maybe even three free throws per game and knocks them down at a similar 75 to 80% clip. That adds to his point total. It adds, it, it puts more pressure on opposing defense. It does a lot of good things for Gonzaga. The best case scenario for Ben Gregg sticking with the offense is his ability to play the high and low in Gonzaga's offense allows him to play seamlessly with both Anton Watson and Graham E.K. and in some situations, Braden Huff. 
if Gonzaga wants uh, Greg to play away from the rim, to feed the ball down low to EK, who's not as good of a three-point shooter, he's capable of making those passes, making those decisions, having the ball in his hands without it being a, a problem for Gonzaga. And similarly, if Gonzaga wants to put Ben down on the block, maybe there's a matchup they like defensively, he can go down on the floor, he can do what Drew Tinney was so good at and continue to fight for position while the basketball gets thrown around at the top of the key, get his position, get the ball, make a move, and score around the rim. That way, if Gonzaga wants that matchup, they have Watson in the game, they want him to play at the top of the key, they have the ability to do that. Defensively, the best case scenarios for Ben Gregg are that his footwork and weak side help have improved, and he is a plus defender. The agility, the athleticism has improved year to year for Ben Gregg. If we assume that's going to continue to happen, the best case scenario is that he is also his intelligence, his timing, his just the, the instincts that you have on the defensive end have continued to improve as well. And he's not a step late. And instead of picking up a block or a charge, uh, he's getting called for a foul. The best case scenario is that he can play off the ball defensively, be a help side, weak, weak side help defender, and that he can also play physical enough to guard bigger guys uh, on the block defensively. The best case scenario is that his improved shot blocking, which we saw from him in the NCAA tournament, we saw from him in the WCC tournament, allows him to be a legitimate rim protector for Gonzaga. He's not the biggest guy on this team. He doesn't have the biggest wingspan on this team. But if his timing and athleticism are improved, he can be a rim protector for Gonzaga. He's not going to be Chad Holmgren. He's not going to be Brandon Clark. He's not going to be Austin Day. But he could be a guy who is at least good enough down on the block that opposing guards have to think twice about driving into him, that he can force some bad shots, force some kickouts, force some things that otherwise players on this Gonzaga roster might not be able to do. And of course, the best case scenario is that he is also able to be a positive pick and roll defender. He can defend in space. He can hedge on screens. He doesn't get cooked when opposing guards come off that screen and come downhill at him. Looking statistically at Ben Gregg, the best case scenarios for him, probably 18 to 20 minutes per game. I think there is maybe a reality where he plays over 20 minutes per game. So let's say best case scenario is like 22, 23 minutes per game, something like that. Um, 10 points, six boards, somewhere in there. Maybe 12 points, eight boards is the absolute peak that we see. Again, some of this is going to depend on Graham E.K.'s health. We're trying not to talk too much about health. Certainly there is an avenue where he plays a lot more if Graham misses a bunch of time. But I think the best case scenario with a fully healthy Gonzaga roster is Ben averaging 10 and six, maybe a little over a block per game. And in that scenario, Ben Gregg might be the WCC sixth man of the year. It's very reasonable to expect that he takes home some legitimate hardware from the West Coast Conference this season. And in the absolute pinnacle best case scenario, Ben Gregg is a WCC third teamer or honorable mention. He is a legitimate w, all WCC performer. He is WCC sixth man of the year. And in the best case scenario, heading into his senior year, the expectation is he's going to start. He's going to replace Anton Watson. And there's no fear. There's no worry. There's no concern. It's pencil him in, sharpie him in on that, on that sheet, put starting power forward, Ben Gregg, and just know that that's the reality for Gonzaga after this upcoming season. What are some of the worst case scenarios for Ben Gregg? Well, there's the concern that if he continues to grow and mature physically, that it could slow him down a little bit. That perhaps his he is a step slow defensively, that he is he struggles in space. Pick and rolls are a challenge for him the way that they were a challenge for Drew Timmy. Because we don't expect him to be the offensive juggernaut that Drew Timmy is, his ability to defend on pick and rolls, if he's unable to do so, could play him off the floor. The worst case scenario for Ben Gregg is that the gains in efficiency we saw from him as a scorer regress. 
And instead of being a 65, 66% two-point shooter, he's 55 or 60. Instead of being a 39% three-point shooter, he's 33 to 35. Regression in those areas would make playing Ben Gregg, particularly over Braden Huff, a bit more difficult. The worst case scenario for Ben Gregg is that his passing ability isn't there and that he's only playing the low and the high-low offense. For a player with his range, if he's unable to make entry passes consistently, if he's turning the ball over, if he's not able to function in that role in Gonzaga's offense, it eliminates a significant part of what he is good at for the Zags. Again, we kind of talked about some of the the lateral mobility, agility on defense could potentially be a factor. Uh, There's also the possibility that he isn't that rim protector, either because his timing isn't quite there, uh, his footwork isn't quite there, or just his his length and his athleticism aren't quite good enough for him to be a legitimate caliber rim protector for Gonzaga. If he's not that and he's also not defending well in space, then you have a situation where he's tougher to play in closeout situations. His playing time is a bit more limited. He's more of an offensive threat than a defensive threat. You could see a situation where his playing time drops as the year goes on, where instead of playing 18 to 20 minutes per game, he plays closer to the 12 minutes per game he played last year. There's a reality where he plays less than that. Probably would have to be fairly significant, but we are talking worst case scenarios here, but a possibility where he plays eight to 10 minutes, where he gets played off the floor by Braden Huff, similarly similarly to how he played Efton Reed off the floor, that could happen. And again, we're talking worst case scenario for Ben Gregg. If Braden Huff is awesome and plays Ben Gregg off the floor, that's not necessarily horrible for Gonzaga. You'd like both guys to be playing at a high level. But if Braden Huff outplays Ben Gregg, that's maybe okay for Gonzaga. But it's certainly a worst case scenario for Ben Gregg. And then, of course, the worst case scenario for Ben Gregg is that when Anton Watson graduates, we don't feel confident about him stepping into that role. We're scouring the transfer portal for a high-level four to come in and play for Gonzaga in replacement of Anton Watson. Best case scenario, we're not worried about it at all. Ben Gregg's taking that role. Worst case scenario, there's some legitimate concern about what Ben's role will be his senior year, as well as how Gonzaga is going to replace the loss of Anton Watson. Well, those are the extremes, but we're going to talk about the expected role realistic expectations for Ben Gregg, as well as his future with the program, what his role might look like in that 24-25 season, all coming up after a word from today's sponsor, Prize Picks. Prize Picks offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like their Taco Tuesday promotion. Every Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide you with even more value. With the Prize Picks reboot policy, entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. This is unheard of in the sports betting space. For NFL games and college football top 25 matchups, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second half, that player is rebooted. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with injury insurance. Seriously, it is crazy easy to use this app. You just pick two or more players and choose more or less with the given stat. I was laughing on Sunday because one of the options they had was Patrick Mahomes, 155.5 passing yards. Mahomes was, the last time he was under that was October of 2019, folks. That is an easy smash to bet that on this app here. They had Justin Jefferson at 105.5 receiving yards. That is easy money as well. So go to pricepicks.com slash college and use the promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for a first deposit match of up to $100. Again, that's pricepicks.com slash college and use promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for a first deposit match of up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, folks, closing out the show today. 
continuing our player preview on Ben Gregg. We talked about his history, how he ended up in Spokane, how he ended up there a half year early, as well as his production last year as he rose into a key rotation piece. We talked best case and worst case for Gregg as he heads into the 23-24 season, his junior year. And now we're going to talk more realistic roles and expectations. And as you can probably imagine, we're going to land somewhere in the middle of where those best and worst case scenarios were. For Ben Gregg, I expect Gregg to be the team's sixth man. I expect a starting lineup of Graham E.K., Anton Watson, Steele Venters, Nolan Hickman, and Ryan Nemphard. I expect Greg to be that sixth man. I expect him to be the first guy coming off the bench for Gonzaga most nights. I think he'll probably rotate in for E.K. In that case, Greg will play the five while Watson will stay at the four. I think after that happens, maybe E.K. comes back in for Watson and Greg slides down to the four. Uh, Braden Huff kind of could slide into there periodically as well. But I think Greg is primarily going to play his minutes at the five when Watson is on the floor and at the four when E.K. is on the floor. And I think he'll split time with both those guys. That's typically how Gonzaga's three-man rotations have worked in the past. There's somebody who kind of plays both the four and the five. I think Ben Gregg is very capable of playing both those roles. And again, if Braden Huff is on the floor, Ben could play the four while Huff plays the fives as well. I think a, a, a middle ground for the minutes prediction around 15, 18 minutes per game is kind of where I'm at. Again, we expect Graham E.K. probably doesn't play as many minutes per game as Drew Timmy did. Anton Watson, let's assume he plays a similar amount of minutes. That extra gap between Drew Timmy's 32 or so minutes per game last year and EK's maybe 25 is where I think Ben Gregg's additional minutes come from. Played about 12 last year. Maybe he plays six or seven more this year. So that's in the 18, 19 minute per game range. Again, Braden Huff might sneak a few of those minutes as well, the same way that Efton Reed did last year. So I think he's in the 15 to 20 minute per game range range. Again, that's kind of standard for Gonzaga's third bigs in the past. I think Huff's going to play most nights, but I think he's the fourth big. We'll talk about him more when we get to his player preview series. But for for Ben Gregg, I think if he's in that 15, 18 minute per game range, we're talking about eight, nine points per game, five to six rebounds per game, one-ish block per game. That's kind of where I expect him to land. Most of that is just kind of projecting out from what he did last year, tacking on a few extra points, a few extra rebounds, because he's got a few extra minutes. And the hope is that Ben's efficiency, particularly what we saw from him in the WCC, more or less translates into a full season. The best case scenario is that it is exactly that, if not more. A middle ground scenario is maybe he's 60 3% on twos. Last year, he was 62%. So a slight bump in two-point percentage. Maybe it gets up to 64, 65. I think that's absolutely possible. But I think the realistic outcome is he's slightly better, he's slightly more efficient as a two-point shooter. Somewhere in that 63 to 65, maybe 66% range. Uh, Three-point percentage, again, similar to last year, 38-ish percent. Somewhere in that range, which again, Staying at the same level of efficiency does not mean that Ben Gregg has stagnated because staying being the same amount of efficiency from as a two-point shooter and a three-point shooter while your minutes per game increase by 40%, that is progress. And I think that's very possible for Ben Gregg. I don't think we will see a big dip in his productivity and his efficiency, which is difficult for players who are going for more minutes per game, uh, not having a teammate like Drew Timmy, like things change. And for Ben to be able to, to keep that same level of production or even have a slight dip is still an objectively very good thing for his performance. I think that Ben is absolutely a realistic candidate for WCC six man of the year. 
For those of you who listen to Locked On College Basketball, the other show I co-host with my partner, Isaac Shade, we did a WCC conference preview, and I predicted Ben Gregg as the sixth man of the year. Gonzaga's taken this award home many times in the past. Malachi Smith took it home last year. He averaged about nine points per game. If Ben averages eight to 10 points, four, four and a half, six boards, somewhere in there, and Gonzaga wins the league, Ben Gregg's probably your sixth man of the year. I don't think all WCC is out of the question. I think second team or first team is probably out of the question, or at least would, would require a, a very significant change in the, in the depth chart. But third team is possible. Honorable mention is very possible for Ben Gregg, especially if he wins that sixth man of the year award. Going forward, I think the plan for Gonzaga, and I think the way we will feel about it, is that Ben Gregg will be the starting power forward for Gonzaga in the 24-25 season. This, this year is his junior year. Next year will be his senior year. And I think we will see him step into a starting role, replacing Anton Watson as a senior. Certainly Graham E.K. and Braden Huff could both be back. Both have eligibility. Both don't seem likely to be NBA, you know, guys who jump to the NBA. You, of course, never know with the transfer portal. But realistically, Gonzaga could return three of their four rotation pieces if Huff's in that rotation for Gonzaga next season. But I think Ben's the one who, who stands the most to gain from Anton Watson's departure. I do think the Zags might add a player in the transfer portal to fill out that front court. Of course, it's hard to project exactly what's going to happen at this point, but I do expect Greg to start. And I think that there's a reality where he kind of has a Sam Dower-esque senior year breakout. As a reminder, Sam Dower in his first three seasons at Gonzaga played 16 minutes per game and averaged 7.6 points. That's pretty close to in line with where I expect Ben to be this year. Ben was 6.2 points in 11 minutes per game last, excuse me, 12 minutes per game last year. This year, if he's 16, 17 minutes and averages eight points, that's basically what Dower did for his first three years. Then as a senior, Sam Dower averaged 14 and a half points in 27 minutes per game. I think Ben could do that as a senior. From there, does he become an NBA player? Where does his future lead him post Gonzaga? Because I expect him to play all four years here. But what happens after that? Anybody who's six foot ten who could shoot 40% from three is going to get a look. He's going to get a look. Killian Tilly got a look. Guys like that get looks. I'm not sure I see an NBA path for Ben because I'm not sure I see enough of everything else. I'm not sure I see enough from him defensively. Perhaps he'll prove me wrong this year from an athleticism standpoint. I don't think Ben's unathletic, but I'm not sure Ben's NBA athletic. There's a pretty big difference uh, in those two things. And so I'm not super confident that especially after a senior year that Ben Gregg would get drafted. Not a lot of seniors get drafted every year, but I could see him getting strong NBA looks, summer league invitations, G league contracts, maybe a two-way contract. Again, teams don't want to turn away, turn away six foot 10 guys who can shoot 40% from three. They just don't want to do it. So I do think that especially if Ben takes that leap as a senior, averages 14 points per game, plays 25 minutes a night. I think it's very possible that Ben gets serious NBA consideration after that. That's going to wrap us up today for our first of many player previews that we are going to do here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Check us out for more of them coming later this week. We'll, of course, keep you posted on what's going on with the Big 12 Conference as well, all right here on the Locked On Zags podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. You can also check us out on our Discord channel as well. We're over 100 people talking Zags 24-7 on Discord. It is free to join. There's a link in the show notes. Just click on it. You'll get straight in there. We're talking all things Gonzaga basketball all the time. 
Check us out on, on Discord. Check us out on, on YouTube as well. Go hit that subscribe button if you have not done so yet. It is very much appreciated. I want to thank you all for listening one more time. And of course, as always, go Zags.